0: Welcome to the Birth Journeys Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Hoff, BSN RN. I am a wife, a mother of two, and a nurse specializing in the care of women and newborns. In this podcast, we will share powerful journeys of birth givers with the goals of lifting the veil on the birth experience, healing through sharing, and beginning an open conversation to strengthen trust and promote transparency between birthing people and healthcare providers. Hello! Today I have with me, yet again, Dr. Stephanie Waggle. Dr. Waggle is the mother of two and a psychiatrist specializing in perinatal mental health. To connect with Dr. Waggle, go to improvelifepllc.com. This will also be in the show notes. Today, she's returning to share important information about the new drugs that have been FDA-approved to specifically treat postpartum depression. Dr. Waggle, welcome and thank you for joining me. Hi, I'm so excited that
1: I get to actually do a topic on a medication that's FDA approved for postpartum depression because this is the first time in world medication has actually ever been approved for postpartum depression, so it's big news. I know, I'm so excited and I can't wait to hear about it. So what... I want to do, but I can't is to tell you what I've seen clinically, like, oh, I've had some patients on it. And this is what happened. And this is how it works. But it is not available for 90 more days. So I will not be able to tell you about any of my actual personal experiences prescribing it. But what I can get into is some of the studies that have occurred regarding it's is what we're going to be talking about. Uh, For short, I guess you could just call it zoo (laughs) in case you don't want to say the whole thing. So I'm going to start off by saying that the typical treatments for postpartum depression would be your everyday run-of-the-mill, most people know, SSRIs, sertraline, fluoxetine, those sorts of things. And then you also have SNRIs, atypical antidepressants. And the medications that are typically for depression, and they're just using them for postpartum depression, although they are not specifically FDA approved for postpartum depression, but that's just the standard right now. So the medications I'm going to talk about, and zuranolone, it is one of them, they work differently than your typical antidepressant that you're familiar with. But before we get started with how it works, I just want to explain some well-known examples of steroids. There are sex hormones. Like most people know about testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen. And this is just to get a warm-up for people that aren't familiar with these kind of things. Progesterone is an endogenous, meaning like occurring in your body. Steroid hormone produced by adrenal cortex. I will try not to get too technical, although I probably still will. But whoever doesn't want to hear it, I guess, can just fast forward. So talking about progesterone. And I think anybody who's taking a birth control pill is at least familiar with progesterone. There is something called allopregnanolone. And this is also endogenous, meaning in the body, naturally occurring inhibitory neurosteroid. And it kind of works as an anti-anxiety sort of mechanism. So instead of thinking allopregnanolone, you can just think anti-anxiety. So this anti-anxiety hormone drops after childbirth. So if something that gets rid of your anxiety decreases, your anxiety probably is going to increase. The drop that occurs after childbirth leads to overactivity of the HPA axis, and that leads to anxiety and depression. Not in everybody, obviously, but that's just the thinking of what is going on here. So if we're following me so far, you have this hormone that decreases anxiety and then it decreases after you have a baby, so then anxiety increases. Now, they made a medication called brexanolone, which is like this allopregnanolone that occurs in your body anyway, to administer to women postpartum. But there is a problem with it. Well, there's a couple problems with it. One is that it's iv Infusion the last 60 hours. You can't really do that at home. You have to go into the hospital. So I have a hard enough time convincing women to get their postpartum depression treated. It's gonna be real hard to convince them. I oh, just a short hospital stay. Why not? Sign up, it'll be fun. And and then the other thing is it's thirty thousand dollars. So pretty pricey. I wouldn't say it's easily accessible, but the idea is there and it, it's a good one. So we talked about that hormone that occurs, that drops, and how there's something similar, but you got to take an IV and you got to sell your car to get it, the Brexanolone. So let's see. I'm going to explain how it works in a little bit. So the, the big breakthrough here is that the xeranilone is like that IV infusion, only it's in pill form. Which is so much more readily accessible and hopefully cheaper than thirty thousand dollars. So Sandalone is the IV, very expensive, but they have taken a similar mechanism of action, made xranolone, and it's a pill, it'll be out hopefully in the next 90 days. Now, hopefully nobody falls asleep here. The way it works is it's a neurosteroid. So I talked a little bit ago about sex hormones, steroids, that sort of thing. So GABA is what's called an inhibitory neurotransmitter. A neurotransmitter is a chemical in your brain. And just very simplistically, think GABA, think calming effect, okay? Zaranolone is what is called a positive allosteric modulator of GABA, which is a fancy way of saying that it just enhances the activity of GABA, which means enhancing a calming effect. So it works both intrasynaptically and extrasynaptically. And that's important in a second. And just for funsies, an allosteric modulator is a group of substances that bind to a receptor and changes the receptor's ability to respond to a stimuli. Just in case anybody's sitting around wondering what the (laughs) allosteric modulator is. Okay. I promise I'm going to try to speak in English. So. I think most people probably know what Xanax is if they ever listen to like music. So if you think about a benzodiazepine, I'm going to try not to say like brand names, but I mean, if I want to like relate to people, people know what Xanax is. So that also works on GABA, GABA GABA-A receptors specifically. So benzodiazepines only work intrasynaptically, but the xuranolone, the medication that I'm talking about today, we're just going to nickname it zoo. So... you know, it's easier to understand. The zoo, it works on both. So benzodiazepines are only working intrasynaptically, whereas the zoo is working intrasynaptically and extrasynaptically. So it's got this extra mechanism of action that's new and exciting. Okay. Now, xoramilone for postpartum depression. So so pathophysiology, of postpartum depression, which is like, you know, the things that are going on here, multifactorial. So like I said before, with that decrease in that particular hormone that could be causing it and the extra HPA access, just like stressing people out. So this kind of addresses that. Now, we like I said, it should be available in 90 days since it, acts similar to benzodiazepine. Benzodiazepine is a controlled substance. Zeranol is also going to be controlled. So you would need a prescriber that has a DEA license and that sort of thing. And it's going to require closer monitoring than your typical run-of-the-mill antidepressant. So because it's not out yet, I don't have any data from any patients who've taken it, which is something I'd love to come back and talk about once I gather that. But you have to, we have to at least wait a couple months until it's out and then a couple months to see how my patients did. But I can talk about the trials that have occurred. So just so that people can follow along, there's different phases of clinical trials. There's the preclinical, phase one, phase two, phase three, and then phase four is like after it's already out there. So phase two, that's seeing if it works. And there's like maybe a hundred, couple hundred patients involved And then phase three is to see the safety and efficacy, and that involves more patients. So I'm going to be talking about phase two, phase three trials of this new and exciting medication. Okay. So Xiranolone for postpartum depression. There was a study in June 30 of 2021. So this study was basically Xiranolone versus placebo. Placebo is just sugar pills with nothing in them. So they had women that were postpartum less than six months, ages 18 to 45 years. 76 of them were taking the placebo sugar pill that doesn't do anything, and 77 of them were taking xeranolin. In this particular study, the dosage was 30 milligrams, and you have to take it each evening with food. I will tell you why you have to take it in the evening in a little bit. Uh, In this study found a significantly greater reduction from baseline ham D17. And you're probably like, what's a ham D17? So that is a scale to assess depressive symptoms. So a reduction would indicate a less depressive symptoms. And they found this as soon as 15 days after. So uh, significantly the people that were taking the actual medication, the zoo, versus the people that were just taking sugar pills, in 15 days, the people that were taking the zoo were doing much, much better. And this is a big deal because most antidepressants, like I mentioned at the beginning, your typical SSRIs, the fluoxetine, sertraline, your normal antidepressants that you typically think about, I mean, they take six to eight weeks to start working with this. This actually, spoiler alert, there's another study that starts working about three days. It's really fast. And so This study that I'm talking about now at day 45, 54% of the um, women in the serenolim group were seeing remission, whereas only 30% in the sugar pill group were seeing remission. So that's one study. There's another phase two study also found a significant change in the HAMD, which is the depression scale. Also found that it starts working as early as three days. And another thing is that they only have to take it for two weeks. A lot of people, pretty much it was like, how long do I have to take this antidepressant? I mean, sometimes people take antidepressants their whole life. Sometimes it's years. This particular one, two weeks. It's so nice. <laughs> It'll be easy to follow because after two weeks, you don't have to take it anymore. There was another, Is this one's a phase three study. It's called the waterfall study. It also showed an early onset of efficacy at three days. It starts working man, antidepressant starts working in three days. That sounds nice. And then another phase three study called the CORAL study that actually looked at people on the regular run-of-the-mill antidepressants that you think about versus people on those antidepressant plus xeranolone. And so those are the two groups. And the people on the zoo plus the antidepressant also had a rapid onset, and the reduction in depressive symptoms was maintained over time. So we have some studies that's like sugar pills versus the zoo. We have some studies that are antidepressants versus the zoo plus antidepressants. So they looked at a variety of things in these studies. And then finally, there was the shoreline study, and that looked over a longer period of time to see how long does it last? great, starts lasting in three days, but does it last after that? And so this was a year-long study. 80% of the patients responded to the treatment positively, and 80% only required one or two treatments. Remember, the treatments are about two weeks long. So the one 14-day or perhaps two separate 14-day treatments were enough to sustain the decrease in depression for at least a year. So some of the studies show, okay, it starts working quickly, but this study shows, hey, it even lasts a while. So this is all very good. So fast and lasting. This is nice. This is something new, 45 days. The effects of the oral medication, the zoo, are similar to the effects of the IV1 that I was speaking about at the beginning Hopefully it's cheaper than $30,000 when it comes out, but definitely it's not something you need to be in the hospital for. So Herb is like, what What are the side effects? So the side effects shown in the studies are similar to what the side effects of just having a baby are anyway, like drowsiness, headache, dizziness, that sort of thing. They kept saying it's generally well-tolerated. There were two big adverse problems. One was that somebody got pancreatitis, but they were on the placebo group, so It wasn't the the Zeran that caused it. And then another person had like some altered consciousness. They were very disoriented and that sort of thing. So remember earlier I said, you got to take it at night. That's because it causes sedation, which may be a good thing because a lot of women suffer from insomnia. So if it helps you go to sleep, that might be good. But if it helps you go to sleep, you definitely don't want to take it when you wake up in the morning and you don't want to take it before operating heavy machinery, just like pretty much every medication says don't operate heavy machinery. Okay, I, that was an exaggeration. But a lot of medications, they don't operate heavy machinery. I mean, it, it would be annoying if you have to go to work, but it's about 12 hours. So if you take it at night, you should be able to drive the next day. Of course, it affects everybody differently. But those are the, some of the biggest drawbacks. However you know, maybe you can recruit somebody else to take the night shift. I I imagine that it would just one of the factors would be you have a new baby, you got to wake up, take care of the baby. But maybe you can recruit in-laws or husbands or friends or somebody to take the night shift. Because if you're going through substantial postpartum depression, you need sleep anyway. So maybe sedation isn't the worst side effect. So this all sounds fantastic. <laughs> But the studies were done by the pharmaceutical companies that are manufacturing it. So, um, yeah, it, a little bit controversial. I mean, that it's not an uncommon occurrence for the manufacturer to be the one doing the studies. You know, you just have to keep in mind that these studies were conducted by the people selling it. So that's why I'm going to come back and tell you what I see in real life. Like, does it reflect what was found in the studies? So we'll, we'll see when it. Hope hopefully the studies reflect. Yeah, because if they do, then that's going to be really promising, fast acting, long lasting. Well, I'll stop. I'll take any questions. That that was a
0: lot. Uh, thank I, you. I did Can I raise my hand?
1: Word <laughs> or anything
0: that I. Used. I took notes. I was like, all right, we're going back to med school. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. So when I when we talked about scheduling this episode, I was bragging to my coworkers, and so they wanted to be able to ask questions. Oh, okay. So yeah. labor and delivery nurses would like to know, you already talked about how it works and what is it? They want to know if you can breastfeed on it.
1: That is a fantastic
0: question because I had the same one <laughs>
1: and it is actually unknown because they had the women in the studies, they actually asked them to stop breastfeeding. I f- they were like, well, this we didn't commit to all this. We just want to find out if it works. Right. We're not ready. We just need to get it out there. We're not ready to do the studies to see if it affects or if it is transmitted in the breast milk. I mean, that, that would be good, but you have to remember what they're putting their time and effort into. And I think that mm-hmm. I don't want to speak on behalf of the researchers of the pharmaceutical companies, but I would surmise that they were just efficacy, safety for mom, and then the whole, like, can you breastfeed? We'll figure that out later. Now, if I had to take an educated guess, the biggest issue that I have if I prescribe, I if I have to prescribe somebody a benzodiazepine while they're breastfeeding, I always say, look for how your baby responds. If your baby's super sleepy, that might be an indicator that it's transmitting and having an effect on your baby and you have to remember that this medication works similarly to the benzodiazepines. The biggest issue I have with benzodiazepines is I worry that it's going to knock mom out and she's going to be breastfeeding and fall asleep with the baby, and you know, drop the baby on the floor or whatever you want mom to not be knocked out, right? So my worry wouldn't be so much transmission of the milk. I mean, probably make the baby really sleepy, but my worry would be mom would be super, super tired. And if she's breastfeeding well on this medication, she might just be like, ah, you know, uh, and then the baby will be like, excuse me, what's going on, mom? Why are you and, you know, and even if the baby's like crying, if you're knocked out, you're knocked out, right? So uh, that would, uh, that would be my concern with breastfeeding on this medication.
0: So anybody that is a co-sleeper probably would not want to co-sleep during right. the treatment period. Right, because you roll I'm over. I'm not advocating for co-sleeping. Well, I was gonna say, but I'm I acknowledging well, you're acknowledging. I'm acknowledging it's the you have to because existence. It happens. You have to because it does happen. Right. Yeah. If you co-sleep and you take this, you roll over. Yeah. Anyone that co-sleeps knows they're not supposed to co-sleep impaired. It is a parental choice, but I am acknowledging. So- are you pregnant and planning a hospital birth? You don't need a birth plan. You need a birth vision. In my opinion, birth plans set you up for failure. Yep, I said it. Hear me out before you turn off this podcast. You may think that by downloading a generic birth plan, it means you're in control. The truth is, it's not that simple. No one can control exactly how their birth will go, there are way too many variables. What every pregnant person wants is to walk into the hospital pregnant and to walk out with a healthy newborn in their arms. The journey in between is the murky part. It's hard to know what issues might come up that need to be addressed. If you focus your energy on a birth vision rather than giving your power to a birth plan, you can empower yourself to make the best choices for you and your baby. That's why you need to get into my Empowered Hospital Birth Program. As a labor nurse and mindset coach, I can help guide you through the process of maintaining the calm autonomy that will help you achieve the birth vision you desire. In my Empowered Hospital Birth Program, I will help you identify the source of anxiety you have surrounding hospital birth, fill in knowledge gaps to make sure that you are fully informed and confident, learn key phrases so you can better communicate with your medical team, emotionally process your fears so that they don't hold power over you. Go to kellyhoff.com backslash empowered to book a free 30-minute private birth vision call where we will identify your top fears and must-haves and gain clarity on exactly how you want to feel in the birth space. That's K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-F dot com backslash empowered. I'm honored to be a part of your birth journey.
1: Similar to alcohol. Exactly. Alcohol also works on the yeah. same receptors, so it would be like analogous to getting drunk and then falling asleep next to your baby. You, just,
0: you <laughs> don't want to do that. Exactly. Additionally, my wonder is, I've always asked this, and this is probably a little rabbit trail that we might need to do another podcast for. Well, that's okay. I like <laughs> it. We'll just do it. <laughs> so my thought is, they have those little milk strips that you can use to test for alcohol. They do. Why are we not doing that for everything? Because we can't test the baby. And I
1: think the answer is money and time into research. Yeah, women
0: are the consumers. Yeah. Well, we have to harness our power as women consumers. It's Like, let's put the money into this. Yeah, let's do I it. Invest. We should be able to test for everything. Yeah, I'm
1: sure that there is a way to detect it in breast milk. I'm sure that it exists. Does a company want to put in the research and development into I don't know. Maybe if we showed them that there would be a demand for such a thing. But until then, it's not as if it's like impossible or scientifically, you know, implausible. It could happen. But somebody has to want to do it and that somebody has to be pretty rich. (laughs) So we'll see. And that was another point that my immediate before doing any research, my immediate thought was this is a great sign that they came out with this because that means somebody somewhere cares about pregnant women enough to put this in because, you know, it's 2023 and this is the first pill that's ever
0: been approved for postpartum depression. Someone finally cares about us. (laughs) It's great. It's so crazy. They Maybe they figured out that the mom being well affects the baby. Oh my goodness. But even worse than that, like, we please care about mom though. also that but like I mean (laughs) if the only way we can get them to care about mom by way of the baby I guess it's better than nothing
1: right right well someone cares (laughs) and I'm delighted about
0: it someone cares well I think you've kind of answered the other questions the next two questions are can can it be used antepartum and why don't we put everybody on it but I think Maybe you could kind of spell it out for us, like why we wouldn't be able to use it antepartum, probably because of the hormone levels, right?
1: Well, so that's a good question. The studies did use different time frames. that was less than six months postpartum. Again, it's probably they were like, oh, we just we have a very narrow objective. Does it work postpartum? We didn't ask if it's OK for breastfeeding. We didn't ask if it's OK for pregnant women. We're just focusing And so that would be really good for future studies. So again, if I had to take an educated guess... But the hormone doesn't drop, right? The
0: hormone drops after childbirth, That
1: hormone is higher. It goes like this if we had a graph.
0: Yeah, so it goes up and then it drops.
1: And I think that taking hormones while you're pregnant is generally Mm -hmm. a no-no. However, at least... Because it has the extra mechanism of action that benzodiazepines don't have. But at least we know benzodiazepines aren't fantastic for taking while pregnant but i mean you can if that's all that works so taking it while pregnant and taking it breastfeeding have not been studied however once it's out and about in the world it's gonna happen and then that's that would be the last phase in the clinical trials the phase four (laughs) when it's already out
0: yeah, the phase for experimenting on regular yes.
1: people. Yes, <laughs> post marketing research where it is you next. This is exactly uh? <laughs> right. <laughs> but
0: those are good questions, and nobody knows. Yeah, and then the the question of why don't we put everybody on it? And- oh,
1: I can answer that. So one is like, not everybody has postpartum depression, which you know you wouldn't want to treat somebody for something they don't have. The other is that I am going to guess that it's, it's only 14 days, but benzodiazepines are pretty addictive. And because it works similarly, I'm not saying it's addictive, but I'm saying that I can see people getting addicted to it. And it, you know, you don't want to just give like an 11 year old a pack of cigarettes. You don't want to get started somebody on something that they might not have an easy time quitting. So I do like the idea, like, yeah, it's, prophylactically let's and and for people listening that means to stop something before it starts prophylactically like yeah let's just put everybody on it but not everybody needs it and some people may become dependent on it and so let's have like a happy goldilocks zone where like not everybody's on it but not nobody's on it. let's have them in the middle where people that need it are on it and i hope really hope it's not thirty thousand dollars
0: yeah i i hope so too that would suck (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's like, yay,
0: we have this great med.
1: But Nobody can afford it. So,
0: just kidding. <laughs> We're just going to dangle the carrot for a little bit. And then, oh, well, well, we did our duty. So, yeah. too bad you can't afford it. That happens with, something. yeah. Oh, I know. Like insulin and stuff, like the new insulins and stuff, they're super expensive. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's just the example that comes to my head. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, you know,
1: it. You know, they can make these things cheaper. I don't I don't want to go off on a tangent. I don't want to start sounding terribly no. cynical because this is my happy talk. I'm
0: excited about this medication. I don't want right. to We can stay in the happy zone. That's fine. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? I really want to come back and talk about what I've actually
1: seen, not just what I read in a study yeah. that was done by the people that are selling it. But like the idea makes a lot of sense from, you know, a scientific standpoint. Like it's solid, but we just have to trust that the
0: study was done morally
1: and ethically.
0: yeah we'll see we'll see well i'm really glad that you you had the opportunity to nerd out on the hpa access because you teased me with that in the first way i put the (laughs) (laughs) access. so i was like oh you're not saying anything and so this time i was prepared i was like i'm taking notes (laughs) we're gonna talk about it this time
1: (laughs) wait i just want to say i teach medical students but then i also try to yeah Patience uh-huh. and I always ask my husband, did normal people know like what idiopathic means? Because you get to this point and you just don't know what terms. but I said on my Facebook the other day, like it was just randomly talking to my husband and I said incompetently, and he's like, What? And I meant like uh-huh. co-occurring, and he's like, That's not a <laughs> word normal people say.
0: Like swelling. <laughs> like I just come up with <laughs> right. But I hope I don't actually think I knew how to pronounce. What is it? Concomitantly. I yeah, well, I always said co-commit, <laughs> concomitantly. I never use the word like verbally. I always just read it. And I was always too shy to try to. Well,
1: I don't want to bring one of those jargony people. So hopefully that's okay. I was able to make it make sense. I like analogies. So try to do more.
0: Yeah. Things. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I was taking notes. Oh. I do recommend that if, I mean, I'm in, I took notes also so that I can put it out in social media, yeah. kind of written with like a diagram so that people can you kind of follow along. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll get that taken care of. But yeah, I mean, just go back and listen a couple times until it sinks in, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be fun. All right. You, you can do something else concomitantly. I can do something else concomitantly now that I know how to pronounce that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, uh, but uh, me, not a episiostomy. See, we all have our things we need to pronounce. That is
0: true. Hey, you are ratting yourself out right now because I took that out of the last episode. No, I would never <laughs> claim that I can pronounce all of the things. Actually, I read something really interesting. It said,
1: don't be embarrassed if you mispronounce something because that meant that you read it in a book.
0: Exactly. And I thought, oh, that's i I did i read concomitantly in a book and i've never heard it pronounced out loud until until now that just means that you read i do read yep (laughs) (laughs) well dr waggle If there's not anything else, I'm going to let you go so you can get to your next appointment because I know you're a busy gal.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm happy to talk about this medication.
0: It's very promising. Yeah, and then definitely throw me your ideas because I'll have you on anytime.
1: All right. I'll let you know
0: once I get some clinical data from this. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes. Don't forget to share the podcast with a friend who can benefit from the valuable insights that we share here. And if you could take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review, it would mean the world to me. If you're ready to work one-on-one with me to embark on a transformational journey towards a confident and empowered hospital birth experience, go to kellyhoff.com backslash empowered and enroll in my empowered hospital birth coaching program. Together, we'll create a roadmap to a birth experience that you'll cherish forever. That's K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-F dot com backslash empowered. Let's make your birth experience extraordinary.